Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Welcome to today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Today I'm joined by Natalie Matarova and McCall Madera. Natalie and McCall share their simple yet effective philosophy on managing a big trip, and they bring the credibility to back it up. They've circumnavigated Britain, Ireland, and paddled in Alaska with Freya Hoffmeister, and we're going to touch on each of these during today's episode. Before we get to our chat with Natalie and McCall, James and Simon at OnlineSeaKayaking.com continue to produce great content to help you evolve as a paddler and as a coach. Everything from basic strokes and safety to paddling in tides, surfing, coaching, documentaries, you'll find it all in one place. So if you're not already a subscriber to OnlineSeaKayaking.com, here is your opportunity to get started. Visit OnlineSeaKayaking.com, use the coupon code PTBPODCAST at checkout, and you'll get 10% off up to 12 months of your subscription investment. Enjoy today's episode with Natalie and McCall. Hello, Natalie and McCall. How are you today? Hello, we are fine or I'm fine. We are on holiday, so oh good. Excellent. Good to hear from you both. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting us. Yes. So you've come from a skiing and climbing background. So how did you find your way to paddling? Uh, Let's start with Natalie first. Um, it uh, It was all very incidental. So we come from Czech Republic. And Czech Republic is not really known for its coast and the sea, as it's a landlocked country. But a few years after finishing university, we kind of moved to Britain and we started to live in London. We've lived there now for 20 years. And we've been climbing and skiing all while being in London, making uh, the best of cheap flights to Norway for ice climbing. So climbing was really the main thing we did, even if Britain is not really um, set for winter climbing or, oh, actually the Scottish people now will probably disagree, but (laughs) it's not the Alps, let's say it this way. And then one day, one year, Michal went away to States to do some climbing and left me at home. And I found out that you can take train down to Brighton and hire an instructor for two hours uh, paddling on the sea. And it was okay. I tried it a few times. It was in the summer. And when Michal came back, I'm like, look what I did while you were away. So he came with me. And then we thought, oh, that's just a nice uh, pastime for when we don't go climbing. So let's do a bit of paddling. We live in Britain. After all, it has a sea. So let's, you know, let's go and uh, see what is it all about. And from then, we went on holidays to Isle of Cities. And we thought, oh, we're going to islands. The best way how to spend that holidays and what really will attract us is island hopping. And we did a bit of island hopping before, but that was on ferries in Outer Hebrides. And the cities offered island hopping in a kayak, which we thought was a little bit closer to the boat. We will have, uh, we will be, you know, the people behind the power. So we went on that holidays and that's what happened. That's how we started to paddle. Okay. A little bit. As climbers and skiers, why did you choose to move to Britain? Oh, that was just a coincidence. <laughs> I came for I came for three months okay. to learn uh, to learn the language because my parents at that time were very insistent that I have not uh, known English at that time yet. I could speak four other languages, but for some reason they felt that I also needed to add English to the portfolio. So I went. And that was it. 
That okay. was 20 years ago. Now, and you you had met prior, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. We've, uh, we've been together for a long time. Michal probably knows the years. <laughs> How long, Michal? I think we get together, I think it was 1998 in yeah. April. Okay. Something like that. So it's been a long time. And then uh, your journeys from from uh, i guess recreational paddling to to coach uh so Mikhail, tell us a little bit about that process that was quite interesting uh, we have slightly different approach i think or we used to have different approach to coaching or teaching because natalie's background is uh, teaching and she was a uh, skiing instructor before so she always liked to introduce people to sports or to, to activities she liked i was a little bit more reluctant because I think I felt like I'm lacking the ability to pass the knowledge or appropriate knowledge to others. So I was much more interested how I can become better and, you know, becoming coach was sort of a nice, nice way how I could sort of understand how I'm learning. And somehow then a bit later I realized that actually I have some knowledge to offer to others and I probably even have a mean how I can pass it on. So I become quite interested in coaching, but that was much later than uh, Natalie. And in terms of the, the process uh, to move to your, your coaching level, uh, Natalie, how long, how long did you go through that process? Well, as Michal said, you know, I, I am a teacher and I always tend to go down the path of sharing what I'm doing with others and, uh, and ended up coaching or instructing someone. For me, it was quite quick. So uh, when I finally realized that paddling is not so bad as it seemed, I think it took me about two years when I uh, became the level two coach. And from then, you know, I like to do more. Basically, every time somebody told me that I can't do something because I don't have the qualification, I'm like, right, sod it. I'm going to get the qualification and you can't tell me no. (laughs) So it (laughs) it was a little bit of a... A faster process than Michal. But it was very interesting, especially when I decided to do the level three, the UKCC level three at that time. That was, uh, that felt like, yeah, like a degree almost, the amount of uh, stuff that one had to do. It was very nice. It's very interesting. So for that, you said that moving from level two to level three changed how you coach. How, how so? The level three was pretty much about individual paddlers' needs and really coaching performance. Uh, looking at uh, at different strands of paddling, you know, looking at the technical and tactical and psychological strands. And basically, in a level two, you just teach a skill. But in, at a level three, or the way I coach now, it's it's more holistic. It's really what the paddler needs. And you may coach the same skill to different paddlers, but uh, you will teach everybody or you will coach, not teach, I'm sorry. You will coach everybody in a very different way. For some person, it will be more discovery. Some person, it will be more just setting up different uh, opportunities in different environments so they can practice that skill. And then, so you've built a, a coaching business um, between the two of you. Is that correct? Uh, not really. No, oh, okay. we do it for fun. Yeah. We, okay. both have a, we both have a full-time jobs. And uh, coming from the environment when we both had uh, seasonal jobs at some point in our life, being uh, skiing instructors in a winter and adventure or climbing instructors uh, in a summer, I think we 
both, am I right, Michal, tend not to have this as a job because we know how much time and effort it takes. And then uh, we always feel that it takes the time away from our own paddling or our own enjoyment of the of the activity. But uh, being at the level that we are and being coaches and leaders, and actually I like taking people out and I like putting effort into to facilitate for people to get better. Uh, we do have people now who come and ask and want to be coached by us or want to do some courses by us. So uh, we do that, but it's our hobby, which means we can pick and choose. So it's, it's not a, a profession as much as it is a, an opportunity to enjoy and be able to spend time with other, fo other folks on the water. Yes, yes. If I may, I would just add that we sort of try to be as professional as we can and we have it you know, as a business because it became easiest way how we can actually reach people and do our coaching and how we can have it structured. But the crucial part here is like we don't and never wanted to be dependent on it as on our profession because once you have that dependency on your hobby, you probably have to start to make quite big compromises, you know, between when you are actually working and when you can do it for your own pleasure. Sure. Once it becomes a job, then it's no longer as fun. Mm. Yeah. So you've done a few notable expeditions. Just a few years after starting paddling, um, you did the circumnavigation. So tell us a little bit about the circumnavigation. We'll start with Mikal. So yeah, the first one was actually in, uh, circumnavigating mainland of Great Britain. And it was partially incidental and partially it was the thing which really sort of get us going or make us, made us to be interested in sea kayaking and it all sort of started uh, in our first week of paddling as you know Natalie mentioned that our first week of paddling holiday paddling holiday at the uh, Isle of Cities and we met uh, with uh, Simon Osborne who I'm sure you know I think he did podcast with you as well yes he did and he mentioned his uh, expeditions he mentioned uh, paddling around uh, Madagascar and uh, as we are you know, talking during this week of paddling about what's possible in the sea kayak, or we were actually learning about what the sea kayaking is about, I was interested in the context of Britain, if you can like paddle for a week around the coast in Britain or two weeks. And, and sort of I had the idea that, you know, we can easily probably go on a holiday for a week somewhere on the south coast of Britain. But, you know, chatting to Simon, he obviously mentioned that it's possible to paddle all the way around Britain because that's what he did before. Yeah, that basically was like a groundbreaking message for me because I was like, yeah, this is what we are going to do eventually. So I, I kept obviously talking about it and Natalie was refusing the idea completely. <laughs> and uh, I think eventually after what, one and a half year of me of talking about it, bringing it back to conversation, she gave up and she said, yes, we are going to do that. So we then spent a little bit of time preparing. And I think it was roughly two and a half years after we went to series, we basically set, set off to paddle around. Okay. Britain, so. so Simon planted the seed for you and until then it wasn't even a, an idea that you could paddle around Britain. But yeah, before that, it, <laughs> that, we didn't even have idea that we could see kayak more or less, you know, it, that was basically at the same time as we just discovered that Sika exists, that the idea was planted in my head. 
So Natalie, take us uh, take us through the trip. So we left on the 1st of April 2012 and it was really, really, really cold. It was horribly cold and uh, <laughs> we, were, we were quite lucky that the worst day of the trip happened on the day 8. So after that, it was actually much better, purely because we landed somewhere on the south coast and it was a really long carry for the boat. And already that day was longer than we thought because the firing rage diver diverted us and it was really cold. And then I fell in the mud and that's never good. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that was the worst day. We arrived to Brighton. It took us a long day, a long time to get to Brighton from London. I think nowadays we would probably do it in like three days if the weather is good. But at that time it took us nine, maybe, maybe 10, something like that. And there we had to stay for two nights on someone's sofa. Our friends or friends had a house quite close to the sea. But what was good about that? It's just made us to stop and really rethink how we're going to do this trip. Because when we left, I didn't really. I was just going, right? Michal said, we're going around Britain. I didn't want to stay at home by myself and pay his rent. So I gone with him because in the end we used to do things together. So when we left, his idea was that to make this trip, we have to paddle so and so kilometers every day. And that obviously wasn't happening because we were not good enough to do that. Didn't have any resilience. And yeah, paddling, expedition paddling, when the conditions are harsh, is, um, could be quite tough. So in Brighton, we had time to regroup our thoughts and change our mindset about the trip. And we decided, well, we're here for four months because we had to let our flat anyway, because nobody was at home. So we have nowhere to go back for another four or four and a half months. So really, we can take our time and we can go with the flow and the feeling. And that was very important because after that, it became much more enjoyable. We didn't feel like we had to... You know, we had to, if we didn't do certain amount of kilometers that day, that that was a failure. Anyway, I still thought the first three weeks that we're going to die. But when we got to Cornwall and we were still alive, I'm like, okay, this is all right. <laughs> and we had this outline sticker of uh, this outline of Britain on a sticker right uh, in front of our cockpit. And I just kept looking at it thinking, gosh, it was quite a small sticker, but still the coast looked quite long in the sticker, the north, you know, the west goes and then the east goes, the longest parts of Britain. And I kept looking at it. I'm thinking, gosh, how are we ever going to get around? But eventually the perspective changed. Looking at the picture, uh, the sticker was like, oh, yeah, we've done this. This is how far we came. And now we have to do this. But it's actually OK. We keep going. So the sticker is so small, yet how can this coast be so long? Well, I kind of imagine the scale that went between the reality and the sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I can't put it in numbers. but <laughs> Now, how long was the trip? The trip took us four months. So um, we left from London. We didn't have a car at that time, so we couldn't really drive anywhere to the coast. So, And we don't live that far from the Thames. We can actually walk with our boats on the trolley to, to a beach and launch on the Thames. Okay. But... We used the advantage of being able to launch from Shadwell Basin, which is just a little bit further from our house and was a little bit more convenient because our flat was already rented, I think, by that time. So we left from London. It took us about 
a day to go down to Gravesend. And then we paddled around and when we came back, the first place we saw was the same place in Gravesend. So basically our trip was 119 days, Gravesend to Gravesend. And then on the arrival, we had to spend another extra day and a half in Gravesend because suddenly we were a little bit early for when people were waiting for us in London. So yeah, altogether it was 121 days. What prior uh, multi-day experience had you had? So not much kayaking we did. I think we went on holidays around Isle of Skye for about 10 days and did that. And that was it really in 2010. And yeah, that was one trip. And then mostly just kayaking, day trips. But because we've been climbers, we also, when we were at university and didn't have any money, we had to hitchhike a lot to go to Alps or go climbing to Provence or down to the coast, to the Calangs. So we were used to multi-day trips, but just in a different way. And I think that experience was being good, like being able to hitchhike for a few days through the winter and being out and not really knowing what's going to happen next. I, I think that was a good uh, preparation for multi-day uh, kayaking expeditions. And Mikhail, how did you know that your skills were ready for that trip? That's a little bit uh, tricky because so with the multi-day or long expedition like Britain, it's it's really hard to know that your your skill level is is that great, or you know you are sure that you can finish the project. But with paddling, long paddling, you can always sort of break it to individual days because what's really important and or crucial with uh, sea kayaking is every morning when you want to go on the water, you're just making the decision that it is safe to go and you will be able to land at the end of the day. And you don't have to make decision about day two, day three, or what's happening in a few weeks' time. All that safety comes from being going on the water with knowledge that you will land again safely. And you can adjust that, or everybody almost does it. You know, people don't think about going on the weekend uh, long trip as something uh, really challenging or something they wouldn't have the skills for. But when they would start to think about going around Britain, they would feel like they need completely different sets of paddling skills to stay safe, which is not entirely correct. Because once you have the skills to go on the water safely for one day, you just repeat the same thing next day and day after. And then uh, what's challenging or what's really crucial while people often fail on longer trips is that hardship which comes with multi-day expeditions which means you have to drag the boat to the shore at the end of the day you have to launch or pack and launch every morning and uh, you have to build up your tent you have to find places to camp sometimes when you camp close to the civilization you start to worry where you can pitch up your tent because they are not ideal places so that's sort of that's really hard work that's almost harder than puddling so thinking about it and breaking it down into each individual day as opposed to worrying about the giant expedition, just mm. taking it in smaller pieces. Yeah, and especially when it comes to your skills, you know, worrying if you have a skills on your level to do something that lasts or goes for four months, it's really hard to imagine. But, you know, if you imagine, shall I go on the water today? Will I be safe? Then that's much easier 
Good way to think about it. So that then uh, that trip then led you to the North Four. So Mikhail, tell us a little bit about the North Four. Yeah, we had this idea, you know, later that we we would visit places around the British coast. Where we couldn't go when we paddled around Britain because they are far more offshore. So there are some nice, and very interesting islands, even historically, around the Scottish coast, like uh, St Kilda or Flannan Isles, and uh, the other ones which we sort of wanted to visit. And people don't paddle to these places very often. Is uh, North Rona and uh, and Suraskay. So we thought, you know, if we allow ourselves long enough time, we could paddle to those offshore places if the weather is good. So I think we had about seven or eight weeks and mm. uh, we're thinking like this, you know, it should be enough to do at least some. And if we are real lucky, whether we may be able to do all of them. Unfortunately, the weather wasn't, that year wasn't that great. So we spent most of the time from, I think about seven weeks, we spent also on the exposed site of Outer Hebrides, trying to get to San Kyrda, trying to get to Flannan Isles, which has another 60 kilometers into the North Atlantic towards uh, North America. So it was quite interesting challenge in those conditions. And eventually we managed to paddle to St. Kilda only. <laughs> but, I mean, all that paddling was, was great. We paddled in places where we wouldn't go otherwise. So these are the outlying islands, uh, not the mainland, but the outlying islands. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. Usually yeah. if you look, people look on the map, they sort of consider outlying islands uh, on the west or northwest coast of Britain would be Outer Hebrides, but there are actually a few small islands even further further out. Did you paddle from the mainland to get out there, or did you just did you ferry out and then paddle the islands from there? We paddled from the mainland, from Scotland, and as Natalie mentioned with the expedition around Britain, we still didn't have car at that time, so it was a little bit tricky to organize logistics from London. Fortunately, we had friends from south coast from Devon going to Scotland for paddling a little bit earlier. So we managed to get our kayaks from London to their place a few weeks in advance. Then they went on their paddling uh, trip to Scotland and uh, left our kayak, I think it was in Glenwick, uh, on the mainland of Britain in Scotland. And a few days later, we arrived there by train. And obviously, that's where the kayaks were. So we had to start to paddle from there. And then from there, you went to Alaska. So, Natalie, tell us a little <laughs> bit about Alaska. And I think you were separate trips to Alaska, right? Oh, we went to Alaska, yes. So, um, Freya Hofmeister, who I'm sure uh, many people have heard about, a German lady who paddles uh, quite amazing trips. And she doesn't paddle just around islands. She paddles around continents. Yes. And she's doing this trip now around uh, North America. Because she's done so much paddling on her own as well, and then she had an opportunity to paddle uh, sections of uh, of the North American journey with a few different people. And uh, she kind of changed her approach to it and decided, yes, it makes it much more interesting for her to, to paddle with different paddling partners. And so she was looking for some. And for some reason, I thought, well, okay, I could probably do that. I could join Freya for, for a lack of the journey, and that would be on the Aleutian Peninsula. Sounded very interesting, and as we got chatting, because of my uh, work as a teacher, I could only go that year in my uh, summer holidays. 
just certain to certain weeks and she had somebody line up for her first leg and then I was her third leg and in between she didn't have anyone so then she was asking well maybe your husband what about him he paddles as well I said well she needs to discuss it with my husband so they have and it ended up that Michal was going for the middle leg and then we were basically meant to change uh he was going home and I was joining Freya for the last of the trip I know that Michal was much luckier with the paddling destination and he had the trip to Alaska that I envisioned to have so he had this lovely you know paddling day after day seeing wildlife seeing the cliffs seeing the beaches doing this doing that my trip was slightly different but very interesting nevertheless so yes we went to Alaska <laughs> separate trips so what was different with your trip well, my trip uh, was happening a little bit later in the season. So Freya and I started to paddle and it was mostly August. We were meant to spend together and we were on the north side of the Aleutian Peninsula. The weather has not been very kind to us. So we already spent like four days waiting whether there would be a fly out from uh, Cold Bay to Nelson Lagoon where Freya and Michal left the kayaks from, uh, from the previous journey. We got there and then we then we paddled together for, well, actually, we only spent together three out of the two weeks we, we had together in the end, or 10 days maybe, we spent three days paddling. Uh, the rest of the days was sheltering uh, different weather storms. The, on the last day of us paddling together on a landing, Freya's kayak broke, the one she was paddling in, broke in half while we did a surf landing. And we ended up on a beach by Cape Siniavin, which is a lovely place. It uh, has one of the largest colony of walruses in North mm -hmm. America. So these were our neighbors and uh, a bear as well. And uh, we ended up there. We had one tent, two kayaks, both belonged to Freya and hers was broken in half. So after a few days, the solution to this was that Freya continued on an expedition and I ended up hitchhiking on different fishing trawlers uh, in a Bering Sea to go back to civilization, which wasn't a trip that I signed for, but it was quite interesting. <laughs> when I came back, I think I could have worn the jumper that says uh, Bering Sea Fisherman, uh, you know, the, the show that is so popular in Alaska, because I definitely felt like one. Uh, I learned quite a lot <laughs> about fishing. <laughs> Much different in a, in a very different way. Very different way. I've never, like, I've done hitchhiking all my life on a different motorways and roads, but I've never done it on a sea. It's actually quite easy. <laughs> all right. Then you you went off on a separate adventure, the Drop Seat Adventure in 2019. Yes, I decided it was time to go and paddle with somebody else than Mikhail, because it was time. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted to go. I quite like paddling with Freya, as in with uh, another woman. So I went to paddle with some friends of mine, Lindsay and Zoe, and we paddled around Ireland. I thought it was a very nice trip. It was a very nice holidays for me, but it was a first expedition for Lindsay. And it was a first long trip for Zoe. Zoe is a very good paddler, much better than I, technically. And um and uh, she's done a lot of uh, multi-day trips, but she's never done such a long expedition. So it was it was quite interesting. It was a very and the weather was uh, I thought it was really warm. 
Lindsay refused to wear her dry suit, so it must have been quite warm most of the time. It was nice. Was that a full circumnavigation of Ireland? Yes, it was a full circumnavigation. I, I don't remember how many days we did it. 51, 2, I actually don't know, 4. I think we, we beat somebody. We felt quite good that we did it one day faster than them, but I don't remember now how many days. Uh, no, it was a full uh, circumnavigation of Ireland done by three girls on holidays. Lovely. What was different about that trip? Well, I'm realizing for me that paddling with women for me is the biggest peer pressure ever. <laughs> so first, it's fun to paddle with uh, other women. You just chat about different things and do different things and uh, have to sort out complete different issues than when you paddle with uh, with men or when I paddle with my husband. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. So that brought a lovely change and uh, interesting challenges and fun as well. But for me also, and it's not just uh, it's it wasn't just that trip. It's now later that I do, you know, I am now venturing into the the sphere of surf kayaking. It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the company of other women that, for me, is a bit of a peer pressure. Because if it's men or if it's my husband and I don't like it, as in I don't like the waves or I don't like dad, you know, and he says, oh, uh, we go to the beach. I'm like, oh, this surf launching, the waves are quite big. I don't like it. I don't think we should go today. He says, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, no, then let's not go. And I feel quite good about it and go and read my book or have a more coffee. Then it's with other ladies and they look at it and you say, oh, I think this is quite big. And they say, yeah, but maybe we should try. Let's go. And then you think, oh, gosh, now I have to go because if they are going, then I need to go as well <laughs> because we are all here. Yeah, in it together. So that's for me. That's what makes a that's what makes a difference uh, and a challenge, but a challenge in a nice way. Just learning more things about oneself, you know, about myself. Now you mentioned surfing. Um, so you've both developed quite a love for surf kayaking. So Mikhail, tell us a little bit about that. I wouldn't say both. Oh, ah. oh, okay. <laughs> Go on, Mikhail. Um, I think it's a little bit complex or complicated in a way. I would say I always was intrigued by the sea motion. So the surf, you know, that's one of the first things which you can see and it's really dynamic if you come to the coast or to the beach in the right time. So I was quite intrigued and uh, obviously quite early on with now paddling, I tried to surf in sea kayaks as often as I could. So I think sea kayaks are great for surfing. There are, there are some limitations. You need, to, you need to have the right shape of waves, the right type of surf. And then you can have an amazing day. We only have surf, which is much more desired by surfers on the board. Then you can't really enjoy it in a sea kayak. So I was intrigued by you know trying to paddle different kayaks or surf kayaks in the surf for some time. And I thought it shouldn't be that difficult, but somehow I struggled to transfer the skills until recently when we finally managed to get some reasonable surf kayaks which would fit to our style. And yeah, and uh, that sort of changed my perception of kayak surfing a lot. So now we try to improve our skills in the surf, which I'm sure for Natalie, it was quite different. So Natalie, how is it different? Well, I, since the beginning of sea kayaking, surf was just not a good thing to go for me. I just didn't like the waves and the unpredictability. And I think being from a landlocked country and, uh, you know, all things sea, some of them, some of the aspects of it, it took me a long time to get used to. 
and then the, the the power in the ways and the fact that they can smush you head down on the beach because that's what happens to me when I go surfing I didn't like that and I don't mind rough water I very much like to go and surf in tide races and uh, you know and downwind surfing that's really fun but on the beach that surf zone to me it was always a, just a sheer terror we managed quite well on most of our expeditions to paddle with a, with a good avoidance of uh, tricky surf landing and surf launching. And if we had to do it, then yes, you have to do it and you do it and it's fine. But eventually, I didn't feel good watching the surf and thinking that's, you know, that's a certain death zone for me. I wanted to enjoy it like others do, but um, never really had the willpower to do it in my sea kayak. And then I felt with the skill level that I have in all other aspects of sea kayaking uh, and paddling, it really starts to hold me back that, uh, you know, that change in, okay, this is the one thing I don't really like, but actually I need to get on with it properly. And then somebody in Cornwall started to organize this fundamental surf development weekends for women, which again, as I said before, it's a good peer pressure motivation for me because if the ladies are going out in the waves to have a fun, then I no longer can stand on a beach and pretend that it's too big for me because they are there. So I have to go and try it as well. So the first few weekends were absolute torture, but eventually I got convinced that it could be fun and started to... Now I have my own surf kayak. And yesterday we were surfing and actually it, it's it's nice. I like it. I like it. I like that you can surf much smaller waves. I like that you can have much more maneuverability. And yeah, I can see the fun elements in it now, slowly. Small steps, not like Michal. Hurrah, this is a wave and I'm going to be uh, the surfer of the year. No, no, no. My approach is much more cautious. <laughs> Yet you've also participated in the British Surf Kayak Championships. <laughs> Well, yes, that was a, for me, it was a pure incident. Michal wanted to do it. I got roped into a first competition because they needed more ladies entrance. And I didn't have a boat at that time, but quickly a boat was searched for me. So I did a first competition. And then the British Championships, I think they were postponed because of uh, of conditions. The, the new date happened to be in a day that was convenient for us. So uh, we signed up. And it was very interesting. Definitely, I have to admit, the fact that it's a competition makes me to go out there and uh, and put more effort in than if it wasn't a competition. I would probably be still looking for excuses not to go there. And then Claire Etok, he was in the same, who was in the same heat, made me to go to the back waves <laughs> during the heat. And that was actually really good. I'm glad you did because um, they were very nice waves, and uh, it was a very nice uh, 14 minutes. <laughs> of a sheer um, adrenaline. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> and you both took home some uh, some medals. We did a little bit, yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. But I still need to learn a lot. I'm nowhere near. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, peddling with other women uh, creates a, a peer pressure system for you. Uh, but you've also developed a, a program to help support other women peddlers. I and my friend Julie Perrin, uh, we organized the Women um, Sea Kayak Festival. 
It used to be called Women's Sea Kayak Festival South Devon because we used to do it in South Devon and this year we moved location. So now it's only called Women's Sea Kayak Festival. We did it for two reasons. One was, and we started uh, in 2015, was our first one, I think, 15, 17, 19, 21 and 23. Yeah, 2015 was our first one. We do it every two years. And we did it for two reasons. One was to support women paddlers. The other one was to support women coaches because uh, to be a woman coach and coach at quite a high level, it's not that easy to, it's it's getting easier now, but a while ago, it wasn't that easy to be, you know, to, to make your, not to make your place. I don't know how to say it in English. It's just not, yeah, it, 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 it felt it was much more difficult. And I know when we were looking for the first group of, uh, we need about a team of about 10 coaches, uh, we really struggled to put together 10 uh, coaches from Britain and had to had some people from overseas, had to, people from France. Although we were doing it in South Devon, for the first festival, most coaches came from Scotland and North Wales. And it's only now over the years that uh, I can see how that is changing. And there are more and more and more women coaches, more very, very good and experienced, advanced uh, women coaches. And it's great. It's absolutely great to see how that community is developing. You do have quite a quite a fantastic coaching lineup for that program. Yes, we had. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. It was amazing to to have all these ladies and some of them are so so good to us that um, we we develop a little bit of a core group of coaches and uh, and even in the year when it was uh, you know at the end of the pandemic when it was really difficult we were not sure if we would run the event or if we would have to cancel because the rules would change and they just stuck to us until the end and uh, and the event could happen. And uh, yeah, it's it's really good. And they are all very supportive as well of each other and of us as an organiser, because really we are a two, two women team. And then we have Michal to help us during the weekend to do all the ground stuff. And uh, we do it for 60 to 65 paddlers. So it's actually quite a big event to put out of a, uh, nothing because we don't belong to any center we do it we hire a green field in a campsite and then do everything ourselves there and then with help of everybody who is helping <laughs> so well, it's good congratulations for putting that on and, and thank you for putting that on and, and continuing to support the uh, support other paddlers yes we're trying oh. it's good so what message might you have for other uh, other paddlers who are thinking they'd like to do a, a big objective like the circumnavigation or the North Four or something, you know, the uh, the drop seat adventure around Ireland, something like that, that they're not sure that they can do it? And I'll start with you, Mikhail. Okay, that's a little bit uh, tricky because there are a few, few small advices, you know, I was given in the past and sometimes very small piece of information can make a huge huge difference in your approach. So one thing I can see is happening very often is that uh, language relates to mindset a lot. And I come across lots of people who talk to me about what they would like to do. If you are talking about, I would like to go around Ireland, you probably never will, because we want to do in our lives, we want to do lots of things. You know, we chat to our friends, we chat in the pubs about things we would like to eventually maybe. So until we change our 
mindset that this is what I'm going to do and change that I would like to, to I will, and then I am doing it, then uh, it may happen because without that, it's really difficult or almost impossible. There is no that desire. And I think somebody in the past gave me advice that actually you will never be as prepared as you wish. So if you are planning bigger project, expedition or puddling project, whatever it is, and you want to start once you will be ready, you will never be ready because there is always something else you can do and you can be better. So it's best to set a date and then try to get as ready as you can to your own deadline and then go and, and do it. And either you will make it or you will change your project on the way or you will fail, whichever way it goes, but at least you will start. Without a starting date, it's almost, again, almost impossible because we, it's so easy to postpone and postpone forever. So set a date and work toward that as opposed to working toward it and then setting a date. Mm. Yes. I mean, okay. you can do both of both initially, but uh, at some point you really have to say, I'm doing it and I'm starting on this or this day. And it may be, you know, a year, two years, or it may be a week, whatever suits you. But without having that clear date, then it, it's like having, having a project without decision that you are going to make it. And then picturing yourself doing that objective as opposed to thinking about it, saying, you're, I will be doing this, I am doing this. Creating almost a little bit of pressure for yourself, you know, having that deadline, it means you put yourself under the project that you really have to do it or do, do things which are necessary at least. Natalie, how about you? Well, a little bit similar. So Michal's motto is dream it, do it. So that's pretty much it. Come up with idea and then just set a set a deadline when you're gonna start uh, doing it and then do but it's also just be flexible once you're doing it you can be flexible if something doesn't go one way it's probably will go in a slightly different way or be creative with it that's what i want to say it's be creative with it you know sometimes you you think this is how my expedition is going to go that's what i'm going to do every day or every week and then you realize for for because of weather or some other challenges it's not working like that and suddenly you have to rethink the whole mindset up and yeah it's just be creative and take it as it comes and have made make a best of it with the circumnavigation being in 2012 the north for 2015 alaska 2018 the drop seat adventure 2019 I'd say you're about due. So what's next? Oh, yeah. We also squeeze in uh, Iceland in 2017. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that was that was an interesting one for us because that, uh, that tried us quite a bit because of weather. So that was definitely the be creative of it. What's next? We don't know. We get asked this question quite a lot. And I'm just considering whether I need to take another long-term leave of absence from work so we can go on another project but somehow we haven't come up with a idea of a project or something we can give a name to and make a nice logo and focus on it so um we'll see i always joke when it when people ask me what's next and i say well okay what happened is without really planning i i've been uh, kayaking around the european islands by size so 
Britain being the biggest. And then there are a few that I can't go around, like Novaya Zimlia in Russia or part of the Svalbard Islands. But if you Google the biggest islands, it comes Britain and then somewhere straight after is Iceland, then comes Ireland. And then the next one is uh, it's, either Sicily, it's either Sicily or Sardinia. <laughs> so really, that could be that could be the next. But uh, who knows? I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll look forward to seeing where uh, where the world takes you next. Michal wants to go to the World Championships in surf kayaking. So that's his. Uh, sorry, Michal, for saying it loud. Uh, that's now his uh, That's his focus. No, He's I don't not sure focus. which ones. <laughs> it's, not... Yeah, as you, as you said before, dream it and do it. So I, we are the stage <laughs> of dreaming now. Now that it has been said out loud, you have to do it. Okay, thank you, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mikhail, where can listeners find you? Uh, so, easiest probably is to, you can, you can find us on Facebook or look at our website. It's uh, basically if you Google sticksnotes.net, then that's our website. There is an email link, so you know you can send us email. It's uh, sticksnotes.hotmail.com, and we have a Facebook page, again, sticksnotes. So you can find us there as well. It's probably easier. All right. So I will make sure I put uh, information on Six Knots on the uh, on the show notes so folks can find you after that. So we do have one final question that I, that I ask of all of our guests, and that is who else would you like to hear as a future guest on Paddling the Blue? So we have, uh, we each have our nominee. My one is uh, Nikki and Kevin Mansell from Jersey because they've been paddling for a long, long, long time. They've paddled in many interesting places. Nikki is a geography teacher as well, or retired geography teacher. So she is very knowledgeable as well about different geology and geography and landscapes when paddling. Kevin has done some interesting trips one of them was the crossing from Jersey to mainland Britain unsupported many years ago. So just interesting uh, paddling, I think, and paddling stories. And then Michal, I think, also chose uh, somebody. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I think it uh, would be really interesting to hear more and learn more about uh, very recent uh, uh, amazing paddling which happened here in Britain. Uh, and that was done by... Dougal uh, Glacier. He paddled uh, around the mainland of Britain in 40 days, unsupported on the surf ski. I think that's uh, quite insane because uh, I think until that time, nobody can imagine uh, it's possible to do it that quickly because people try to be fast in Britain and there were a few records done, but uh, nothing as significant as this one. Yeah, Dougal really shattered the record around uh, around Britain. Mm. Wonderful. We will, we will reach out to both uh, Nikki and Kevin, as well as Dougal. Have them on the show at your suggestion. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Natalie and Mikkel, it's been fantastic talking to you and learning from you and hearing about the different trips and, uh, and experiences you've had and contributions that you continue to make to the paddle sports world. So thank you for doing that. Uh, thank you for inviting us. Uh, it was very, very nice talking to you today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank yeah, you. Thank you very much for giving us a chance to share some of our stories. Thank you. Thank you.
If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient, have the endurance to handle long days in the boat, drive through the toughest waves or white water, protect your body against common paddling injuries, and while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds, and who wouldn't mind that? So visit paddlingexercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Natalie and McCall. Their simple advice has come up before with other guests, and it's so appropriate. Eat the elephant in small bites. We all have that big trip in us, and we can lessen the fear by thinking of it as a series of one-day trips in succession. You'll find follow-up information on how to connect with Natalie and McCall in the show notes for this episode at www.paddlingtheblue.com. As we cross into 2024, I'd like to send a big thank you to you for listening to Paddling the Blue. It's a pleasure to be able to bring these great stories to you, and I so appreciate the feedback that I hear from each of you. I hope that each episode inspires you to plan an adventure of your own. I'm also going to ask for your help in this new year. I'm asking for your help introducing more paddlers just like you to Paddling the Blue. So will you please take a minute with each episode and share it with a friend or your club, or maybe even go to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a review telling us why you enjoy Paddling the Blue. We make it real easy for you. You can go to www.paddlingtheblue.com, select the Review tab, and choose to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. Thanks in advance. I'm also going to send a quick thank you to everyone who has contributed to support the show. If you're interested in supporting, visit www.paddlingtheblue.com. Click the small coffee clip link in the bottom corner of the page. Every little bit helps, so thank you in advance. And thanks again to our partners at OnlineSeaKayaking.com for extending an offer to you. Visit OnlineSeaKayaking.com. Just enter the code PTBPODCAST at checkout and get 10% off just for being a member of the Paddling the Blue community. David Walsh is going to join us for the next episode of the podcast. David is the author of Ilan the Bible of Irish Paddling. We'll talk about the ongoing process of writing the book, what it contains, his most memorable island paddles, and who his most famous reader might be. Until next time, thanks as always for listening, and I look forward to bringing you in the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.